membership for 22 this morning. All right, praise the Lord. Thanks again for being in church this morning, <clears throat> and uh, glad that you're here. Looking forward to what the Lord has for us this morning. Church family, we're going through um, <clears throat> the first five books of the Bible as an overview. We call it the Pentateuch, and uh, today's lesson is on Balaam. Uh, we've probably got four, probably five or six lessons from each book of the Bible, Genesis through Deuteronomy. Um, I'll be honest with you, I can't remember if this is 17 or 18. I know that we're quite a ways into this uh, series of lessons, and then uh, again, just trying to pick certain lessons as far as overviewing these uh, books of the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, specifically the Pentateuch. This lesson on Balaam is an, is an, is an interesting lesson. It's the one he talks to the donkey. And so uh, we're going to look at this, kind of see what the Lord has for us this morning. You're in Numbers chapter 22, if you don't mind, I, I do want to read some scripture this morning. And I always am a little bit hesitant because I don't want to lose uh, you and the reading of it. Sometimes we get reading and we, we lose... Uh, uh, we're, we're not attentive, I guess, for what the Lord is trying to say. So I hope that you'll follow with me this morning. Uh, verse number one says this in Numbers 22. It says, And the children of Israel set forward and pitched in the plains of Moab on this side, Jordan, by Jericho. And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was so afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. So, again, understanding the story, the Jordan River was kind of the border uh, line for going into the Promised Land. They are on this side, which means they're not in Canaan. They're on this side of Jordan. Uh, Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, two large countries uh, and nations come out against Israel. Uh, and of course, uh, God defeated them. Now, they're not in the promised land yet. They're on this side of Jordan. And so Balak is in control of the Moabites, and he hears what happens, and he says, okay, we're next. And so he decides, hey, listen, we better be proactive as far as trying to stop these people. So look what he does. In verse number, let's just pick it up in verse 5. He sent messengers, therefore, unto Balaam, uh, the son of Beor, to Pethor, which is by the river uh, of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me, this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail, that we may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land. For I wot that he whom thou blessest is blessed, and he whom thou cursest is cursed. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of divination in their hand. And they came unto Balaam and spake unto him the words of Balak. So church family, when it says the rewards of divination, um, Balaam was a soothsayer. He was a person who would deal with the occult, um, uh, evil spirits and things of that sort. I think sometimes people get confused in number 22 because they look at Balaam and Balaam said, I can't come to you, Balak. I can't go beyond the word of the Lord. And it's almost as if Balaam's a prophet of God. He is not a prophet of God. All right. He is an unsaved person, which we know from the New Testament as he is mentioned as a false teacher and an unbeliever. So Balaam was not a believer. So sometimes we make um, application as if it's an interpretation. There's only one interpretation of the Bible, but there's several applications to the Bible, all righty? Uh, for instance, I think a good application of Balaam would be the difference between God's permissive will and God's perfect will. I think there's a perfect a application there because God said, Balaam, I don't want you going with those uh, representatives from Balak. I don't want you going. And so he tells him, I can't go. God said, no. We'll read some more verses here. And then they come back with more reward of divination and say, listen, Balak really wants you to come. And so he asked God again, and God says, okay, go. But that was not God's perfect will. So there's definitely application for the Christian. But Balaam was not a believer. All right. Look what happens next here. In, uh, let's just pick it up in verse number 9. And God came unto Balaam and said, What men are these with thee? Verse 9, verse 10. And Balaam said unto God, 
Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, hath sent unto me, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt, which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them. Peradventure I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. And Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, Get you into your land, for the Lord refuses to give me leave to go with you. Verse 14, And the princes of Moab rose up, went back unto Balak, and said, Balaam refuses to come. Uh, with us, verse 15, and Balak sent yet again princes more and more honorable than they. And they came to Balaam and said, Thus saith Balak, the son of Zippor, let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming. Verse 17, for I will promote thee unto very great honor, and I will do whatsoever um, thou sayest unto me. Come therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. And Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, uh, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord. Um, and so, there's a door open. I hope he went back to go take care of that. I'm not sure if he did or not, but uh, that's what that noise is. Those are not rats in the walls, all right? Just letting you know. There's a teen class on the other side of that, and the door is open, and that's why I can hear them so much, and it's a bother to me, and I can't talk very well because they're irritating me. Right. Oh, that's called singing. That's singing. That's what that is. I didn't recognize it, all right? But that's singing, okay. Let them praise the Lord, amen? All right, now, church family, back to where we were. So Balaam, Balaam uh, says, I can't go because God said no, and then they come back again, and God's, God says, okay, go ahead and go, but that was not God's perfect will. So now he's gonna talk to the donkey. Are you ready? Let's jump down a little farther here. In uh, verse number 20, and God came unto Balaam at night and said unto him, if the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, that shalt thou do. And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab. But, and God's anger was kindled, against, uh, kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass and his two servants were with him. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and the sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass and turned her into the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself under the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, and he smote her again. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where was no way to turn either to the right hand or, or to the left. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the ass with a staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times. Now, church, I don't know about you, it's one thing for the uh, donkey to say something, but it's another thing to talk back to a donkey, all right? And that's what Balaam's about to do, all right? You talk about crazy. Look what happens next here. Uh, verse number 29, And Balaam said unto the ass, Because thou hast mocked me, I would there were a sword in mine hand, for now would I kill thee. And the ass said unto Balaam, And not I thine ass, upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day, was I ever wont to do so unto thee? And he said, Nay. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. Now, church family, uh, it's an intriguing story, all righty? Uh, when we think of a donkey talking to a person and then the person responding to that person, we think, wow, number one, what a miracle. Number two, Balaam must have been off his rocker too. Uh, and, uh, but yet God used the donkey. Now, there's, other, another, there's so many principles in the story here that if God can use a donkey, he can use you and I. All right. I mean, if God can speak through an animal, then God can speak through us. There's so many principles that we can learn from, from Balaam's life. Now, church family, this morning, I, I believe they're in your lesson this morning. I, I to me, 
feel like that the New Testament really opens up the Old Testament. And it does the same thing with Balaam. Balaam is mentioned three times in the New Testament, and all three times is about a particular thing, or if I can say even a particular subject. And those are the three subjects I'd like to look at this morning that God talks about Balaam in the New Testament. All right, now, just show me, here's what they are. In the New Testament, God talks about the error of Balaam. God talks about the, uh, uh, the counsel of Balaam. You got the third one in front of you there? Error, Balaam, counsel of Balaam. What's the second one? Doctrine, doctrine, thank you so much, all right? Well, at least one of you looking at the lesson, all right? Doctrine of Balaam, all right? Now, I want to talk to you about those three things that God mentions in the New Testament about Balaam because the, the principles that God's trying to teach us about this soothsayer are good not just for the lost, but also for saved alike, all right? So there's things that we can learn from these things, okay? So we're going to look at these three together, and again, I, uh, I'll try to do it in the correct order um, <clears throat> that's on your lesson there this morning. But the first thing that's mentioned about Balaam in the New Testament is about the, is about the way of Balaam. I think I had it backwards, but the way of Balaam. Now, I think you have the verse already typed out. If not, you're welcome to turn to it. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. Uh, is it typed out on your, on your Sunday school lesson? Am I correct on that? Yes. All right. So again, you can read it off there. Read it out of your Bible. But 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15 and 16 says, Which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumb ass, I'm sorry, yes, the dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade, forbade the madness of the prophet. Now, again, not the kind of prophet that we're talking about uh, that we would think of as a, as a believer. So the Bible says that Balaam had, it was called the way of Balaam. All right, now here's what God's talking about here when he talks about the way of Balaam. The way of Balaam was because Balaam wanted so bad to go with Balak's men so he could get the reward. It was about the rewards of divination. In other words, Balak, the king, was offering him money, prestige, and whatever else he might have been offering, and that Balaam wanted to go. What did God tell Balaam? Don't go, Balaam. You're not going to go with those because those people are blessed. We know that from Psalm, I'm sorry, from Genesis chapter number 12, when God's talking to Abraham, those who bless Israel will be blessed, those who curse Israel will be cursed. Church, I mean, that has not changed, by the way. And so the day that we're living in, uh, I hope America never goes against Israel because God still blesses those who bless Israel. God still curses those who curse Israel. They are still God's chosen people. And I know there are unbelievers that are Israelites, okay? But by the way, there are, even in Bible times, there were unbelievers that were Israelites because Korah went down into the pit and he's mentioned in the New Testament as an unbeliever, okay? So that, but it does not change the fact that that nation is pointed out by God, loved by God, chosen by God. And so when Balaam says, hey, I want to go and uh, curse these people, the only reason he wanted to curse the people is so for the money. He would, he simply, and, and so when the Bible talks about the way of Balaam, the way of Balaam was covetousness. It was, an, it was desiring something that he should not have had, and, had, and, and it, actually his desire was wrong because it wasn't God's desire, all right? Now, can we... Can we use this soothsayer as an example for us as God's people that God still doesn't like covetousness? Amen. No man can serve two masters. Either love the one, hate, despise the other. Because why? Because we cannot serve God and mammon, money. In other words, we cannot be attached, or should not be, we should not be attached to the things of this world. It's not, about, it's not about cars and houses and money and retirement. It's about what is the Lord's will for my life and what does God want for my life? And in Balaam's situation, again, I know he's an unbeliever, but the picture is very clear here. It was not God's will for him to go. Now, we read the verses, and I hope that you saw it. Balaam comes to God. God, can I go? And, and God says, no, you, you can't go. These, they're blessed people. Don't go. 
Then they come back a second time and he comes back and he stops and prays and talks, or goes, should, should say, goes, goes and talks to God a second time and he says, God, can I go? Now, again, it wasn't because God was his God, it's because God was not going to allow it, all right? He, he dealt with, the, with satanic things and God Almighty. You say, Pastor, that's kind of odd. How can that happen? I want to tell you how, same, same way that when Saul, King Saul, called for the witch of Endor and God allowed the witch of Endor to see some things and to do some things, that God uses lost people. Nebuchadnezzar, ruthless king of Babylon, but God called Nebuchadnezzar his servant. So God can use lost people and saved people alike. And so here you have Balaam talking to God and God says, okay, now remember the first time, no, go. Second time, okay, go ahead and go. But then the Bible says as soon as he went, what happened? In the anger of the Lord, God was not happy with him. Why did Balaam want to go so bad? He wanted to go because he wanted the money, the rewards of divination. You know, we as people, we oftentimes make our decision based upon money. And money is not the factor. The factor is what is the will of God? Are y'all listening this morning? Amen. It's almost like Christian education. I'm not going to pay the money to, to, to do Christian education. And, and I'm not talking that's with everybody, but in some people's cases, it's a matter of money. It should never be about a matter of money. When God is directing you on anything in your life, it should be a matter of what is God's will and I'm going to do it. Some of a person changing jobs. You know, I'm going to change jobs because I get $10 more an hour. That's not the right reason to change jobs. You say, well, it's an awful good one. Okay, it might be a good reason financially, but it might not be the best reason spiritually. What happens if you change job, get $10 more an hour, and then you end up falling into sin? What happens if you get the $10 more an hour and you switch jobs, but it gets you out of church? Do you understand money is not the driving force for the Christian? The driving force for the Christian is what is God's will for my life? Amen. And so Balaam, the way of Balaam was a way of covetousness. It was a matter of him getting more. Church family, what's the 10th commandment? Thou shalt not, shalt not covet. What was he doing? He was coveting something that he should not have had and desired something because of what he wanted and it was not what God wanted for his life. That's covetousness. You know, when it talks about um, in the New Testament, it says covetousness is as idolatry. Now think about that. There's actually three things mentioned in scripture that God calls as idolatry, but one of them is covetousness. And what God's trying to say is if you have a desire for something that you should not have, then that's idolatry to you, all right? In other words, it's almost like worshiping a graven image. God says, I don't want you doing that. And so we as Christians have to be careful that we don't allow money to get in the way as far as what God's will is for our life, all right? So the way of Balaam is covetousness. Look at the next one there. Not only do we have the way of Balaam, but you have the error of Balaam. Again, I think you have the verse typed out on your lesson. But in Jude chapter 1, verse number 11, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. Now, what was the error of Balaam? What, what, was, what was his mistake, all right? His error. I want to tell you what his mistake was. He could not see Israel as God saw Israel, all right? And, and here's what I mean by that. Balaam knew that that Israel had not done right in so many different areas that he thought it was okay to curse Israel because Israel hadn't done right. Can I tell you, and, and sometimes Christians think this way, okay? We, we, we cannot see completely the way God sees things because God's very merciful, would you agree? Okay, so when you talk about the era of Balaam, the era of Balaam was, he was, he was and I'm, I'm gonna say it like it's on your lesson, he was ignorant, ignorant of God's mercy, God's righteousness. In other words, he thought he could think like God. He couldn't think like God. By the way, we can't even think like God. 
Hey, Christians look at other Christians and somebody does something that maybe they, in their mind they think that they shouldn't do and in their mind, God's going to get them. Okay, well, you're not God. That's right. And so the error or the mistake that Balaam made was is that he could go curse Israel because Israel wasn't doing right was wrong. Because the difference was is Israel was not condemned by God. Israel was chastened by God. There's a big difference. Just show me, before you got saved, you were condemned by God. After you got saved, you get chastened by God. You say, what's the difference? Hey, listen, the, there, the condem, there is no condemnation. The condemnation is, is, that, is that I'm going to have to die and go to hell forever in the lake of fire. Remember uh, John chapter 3, verses 13, I'm sorry, verse 15 through 17, that we, we were condemned, how, when? We're condemned already. In other words, before I got saved, I deserved to die and go to hell. But how many glad you're saved this morning? Say amen. You remember when you got saved? Did you know that the day you got saved, you were born into God's family? You became joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ, and God the Father became your father. And that's why he chastens us. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. God chastens us. Well, Balaam, his error was simply this. Hey, listen, they're messed up anyway. Israel, they're, gonna, they're doing wrong. You know, I might as well get some money out of this thing because God's going to get them anyway. But he did not understand that God was not going to throw Israel away. God would spank Israel and discipline Israel, but he was not condemning Israel. That was the error of Balaam. Hey, I don't know if you're thinking of this thought concerning someone else or even yourself, but you have to understand, God, if you're a Christian, God doesn't throw you away. Amen. In fact, in Jeremiah 18, verses 1 through 4, he told Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house, and I want you to notice what the potter, the potter does. He takes a piece of clay, and if it gets marred in the hand of the potter, he does it again as he saw fit, and he made it again into another vessel. Hey, I'm, I'm glad God doesn't throw the clay away. I'm glad that when we mess up, and, and it wasn't, the clay is not marred by the hand of the potter. The clay was marred in the hand of the potter, and sometimes we mess things up. But God takes that clay, puts a little more water on it, readjusts it, and he makes it into sometimes a bowl, a cup. He might make it into a vase, but he makes it into whatever he wants it to do. Hey, the heir of the Balaams, and sometimes they're Christian Balaams, is this idea of, oh, God's going to judge that person. Or the heir is, I can never do anything for Christ because I messed up. That is not true. That's called the heir of Balaam. That's being mistaken about what God's will is for your life and what God wants to do with your life. Hey, listen, you ought to understand that if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive. And that when he forgives, the Bible says he remembers them no more. He doesn't bring them up anymore. The only one that brings them up is you or the devil, or that wonderful Job's friend, carnal Christian. But, you have to, but God, that's the error. That's the wrong type of thinking that God just doesn't, God's mad at me, so since God's mad at me, I can't do anything. You know, God doesn't, God's not mad at you. If anything, in God's mercy, God's forgiving, he loves you, and he wants you to get right with him, and he wants you to do right. As a Christian. Well, Balaam couldn't understand that. Obviously, he wasn't a believer anyway. So we have the way of Balaam, that was covetousness. Then we have the error of Balaam, which is simply wrong thinking. The thinking was wrong. These people deserve to die. Well, he didn't understand. God wasn't interested in killing Israel. God wasn't interested in developing Israel into what he wanted them to be. One more thing I want you to think about. This one's in Revelation chapter number 2. Look at verse number 14. If you've got your Bible, you're welcome to turn there. Revelation 2, verse number 14. This one's kind of interesting. This one is called the doctrine of Balaam, the doctrine of Balaam. Now, church, I mean, you know what the word doctrine means because throughout scripture, especially the New Testament, the word doctrine means teaching, means instruction, all right? 
What was the doctrine of Balaam? Chapter 2, verse 14, But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. Now, church, if you have your Bible open in Numbers, I want you to flip over to chapter number 24. Look at the end of the chapter there. Now, church, I mean, we did not read chapters 22 through 25, but the story encompasses all of these chapters. All right, so follow the story. Balaam come, I'm sorry, Balak sends to Balaam, hey, listen, come curse Israel. He comes, goes to God, God says no. He sends back other uh, of his officials, and he says, hey, listen, Balak says he's going to give you, take care of you, promote you to honor, etc. if you'll come. He goes to God, God says, fine, go. God's angry, he goes the donkey three times, you know, tries to keep him from going, from being killed from the angel. He talks to the donkey. God says, okay, I'm going to let you go, but you better say what I, say, what I want you to say. So he goes. Now, we didn't read the whole story. I'm summarizing. So then Balaam comes before Balak, and as soon as he meets Balak, Balak says, man, how come you didn't come the first time? And Balak says, because I can't curse Israel if God don't let me. All right, if God doesn't let me, I can't do it. All right, so then... Balak takes him to three different places. First, the hindmost, I believe, to where, just the edge of where they could just see those on the, the, the end of Israel. And then he took him to two other places. And each time they'd set up an altar, offer a sacrifice, and then Balaam would go to God. And, then, and, and Balaam, instead of being able to speak curses, God speaks through Balaam and he blesses Israel. All right? So at the end of chapter number 24, he blesses Israel three different times. All right? Let me just see if I can find a couple of these things with you here. In, uh, let me just read, uh, I'll just read a couple of verses. Chapter 24, verse number 9, talking about Israel. He's, he's prophet, this is prophetic, prophetic uh, words of Balaam. He couched Israel. He laid down as a lion Israel and as a great lion. Who shall stir him up? Blessed is he that blesseth thee, and cursed is he that curseth thee. All right, so again, he's saying these things. Um, verse 10, and Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam, and he smote his hands together. And Balak said unto Balaam, I call thee to curse mine enemies. Behold, thou hast altogether blessed them these three times. Therefore now flee thou to thy place. I thought to promote thee unto great honor, but lo, the Lord hath kept thee back from honor. And Balaam, Balaam said unto Balak, Spake I not also to thy messengers, which thou sendest unto me, saying, If Balak would give me this, his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the commandment of the Lord to do either good or bad of mine own hand. But what the Lord saith, that will I speak. Now I want to tell you, that almost sounds like a Baptist preacher. All righty? Hey, what God says, that's what I'm going to say. I don't care what you say. Okay, but again, we know from the book of Joshua, because Scripture interprets Scripture, is Joshua said, Balaam the soothsayer. I mean, he was what he was, all right? It's just that God would not allow him to do what he wanted to do, all right? So when you look at the way of Balaam, which was covetousness, the heir of Balaam, which was ignorance, ignorant of God's righteousness, this last one was called the, um, the counsel, uh, counsel, I'm sorry, the doctrine of Balaam. And here's what took place. At the end of chapter number 24, he couldn't curse Israel. So here's what he does, Balak. Now, some of this is understood, and you'll see in the verses here. He, go, he tells Balaam, Balaam tells Balak, the king, hey, I'm sorry. I can't do what you're asking me to do. But I sure can tell you how to get them so that God gets mad at them and disciplines them. I, I can tell you how to do that. So look at chapter 25, verse number 1. And Israel abode in Shittim, chapter 25, verse number 1, and Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredoms with the daughters of Moab, and they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. So here you have Balaam. I can't curse him, but I can tell you how you get him in trouble. 
If you'll get the Moabite women to entice the Israelite men and cause them to commit fornication, and if you get the Israelite men and others to bow down to your false gods, hey, listen, you don't have to worry about it. God will get them. Now, church, I, mean, I think 24,000 people are going to die. All right? Do you understand? The counsel of Balaam was simply how to cause a stumbling block to Israel. And can I tell you, we as God's people, the devil hadn't stopped doing that, by the way. He has caused stumbling block after stumbling block after stumbling block for God's people, so they trip up. Now, Israel as a, whole, as a nation, did, uh, even then, did they recover? Yes. But church, I mean, all those people died simply because they, did, they, they, allowed the, um, they allowed the Moabites to entice them. I was looking for the verse, verse number 9. Verse 9 says, and those that died, chapter 25, and those that died in the plague were 20 and 4,000. Now, 24,000 people died simply because of one person's advice to King Balak. Entice them to commit fornication and bring them in for your gods. And 24,000 people died. It was the doctrine of Balaam. It was the teaching of Balaam. Now, I want to just tell you that there's still a lost world out there, and you cannot be naive to the fact that the devil's not orchestrating the enticements. Amen. Is there a God? Yes or no? Yes. There is. Is there a devil? Yes or no? Yes. Okay, so when we come together and we see flesh and blood and we see ourselves physically, you can, there's some, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world. There's things that we cannot see. We can't see the spirit world. And I'm not being spooky this morning. Is there a Holy Ghost that lives inside of you? Yes. You ever touched him? You ever heard an audible voice from him? Okay, so we are in a, we're, we're living a spiritual life while living a physical life. Okay, so can I'm just telling you, the devil is orchestrating. Read the book of Revelation. Find out how much orchestration he's going to do during the tribulation period. He's going to give power to the Antichrist. The false prophet is going to be able to have an image of the Antichrist and cause a stone image or whatever it's made out of, an image to be able to start talking. We can't understand demonology. We read the New Testament of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and find out all the times where a child or an adult was brought to Jesus and Jesus cast the demon out. And in one situation, he was called Legion, and there were 2,000 devils that went into 2,000 hogs. We can't understand that. And by the way, I don't want to, I don't want to even get close to that kind of stuff because it's real. And you understand that as a Christian, you think, well, I just messed up. No, you didn't mess up. There's a real devil out there. That's why he said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion. For what reason? Seeking, Seeking whom he may devour. Listen, okay, yes, we're all, we all have a sin nature. I was about to say you're not a bad person, but we're all bad people. You're bad. All right. But, but do you understand that the devil is constantly manipulating your work, your places of um, uh, employment and places of recreation and places of, that you go? I'm not trying to tell you that your boss is the devil, all right? Brother Brian's a Christian, so I know he's not a devil, all right? But I am saying this, that because we're living in this world, and the Bible says that little g, the God of this world, that the devil is constantly trying to get you to stumble. Do you think it's by accident you walk into a store and the first, store, the first sign you see when you walk in the store is some woman portraying lingerie? Do you, do you think it's an accident that uh, when you're going through the grocery line that there's the certain kind of magazines and the covers on them are not fit for a Christian to look at? Do you think those things are happening by accident? 
Do you think it's by accident that you walk into a place to purchase something and the guy's cussing, using the Lord's name in vain on a regular basis? Do you think those things happen? I'm just trying to tell you, those things don't happen by accident. And, and as a Christian, we have to be careful that we don't stumble because I'm going to tell you what the devil's trying to do. He's trying to get you to trip up. And people have died, 24,000 physically died. 24,000 people died physically. I'm just trying to tell you, there are people who are living in the congregation of the dead who have died spiritually. And the reason they have died spiritually is because they got tripped up by the devil. You know what that's called? It's called the doctrine. It's called the doctrine of uh, Balaam. Sounds of a donkey. Let's see here. Sounds good, doesn't it? I like that. I'm trying to get it. You know, God had to use a donkey to tell Balaam, wake up. Now, this morning, he's using me, and I don't like the parallel. <laughs> wake up. You're in a spiritual battle. And the devil doesn't want you to make it. He doesn't want you to raise those children for Christ. He doesn't want you to have a walk with God. And all those little things add up to big things in your Christian life. Don't be like Balaam. Now, yeah, he was lost. But Balaam, God spoke to him. And God speaks to you too. He does it during a church service. He does it during your devotions. He does it when you're reading the Bible. He does it when you're driving somewhere and that still small voice tries to tell you something. You're going to ignore it. You listen to the Lord. 